When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coaches, today before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, CoachPad. Uh, no matter if you draw scout cards by hand or use a program on your computer, CoachPad will give you back time by never stuffing a binder again before heading out to practice. First 13.3-inch electronic device allowing coaches to clearly display scout cards outdoors in the sun has been a game changer for programs this past fall and those currently playing all across the country. This new technology allows coaches to coach and not the monotonous task of stuffing and dealing with binders on the practice field. Check out the Coach Pad and Coach Pad Mini on thecoachpad.com. Please make sure you check out our sponsors, our affiliates, and here is another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Downbacker podcast. Um, today we have uh, the offense coordinator and line coach at Geneva College, uh, Chris Corrado. Uh, coach, how are you doing? I'm doing great this morning. How are you, Coach? I, I can't complain. It's a little warm, but, I mean, it is what it is. So, um, got to cook out to go do my retiring AD tonight, so that'll be good. Um, but, I mean, before we get started anything, um, how did you end up becoming – uh, the offensive line and offense coordinator at uh, Geneva. Yeah, so I'll give you just a, a brief rundown. So I actually played my football, college football at Geneva, which is about 20 minutes north of Pittsburgh. It's up in Beaver County. But, um, you know, I got done playing my football, uh, helped out during the spring of my senior year, uh, just because I kind of wasn't ready to let it go yet. Uh, and then actually ended up getting a job down in D.C. working in private fundraising right out of college. Uh, did that for about four months. And I actually sent a, a text to our head coach that's still there. Now he's been here for 30 years. This will be his 30th season, actually, as head coach at Geneva. And I was like, hey, listen, I'm not, I don't know that I'm ready, really done for this uh, with this football thing yet. So uh, he gave me a volunteer spot on staff and uh, did that for a year, became a GA, became a full-time coach after a year being a GA and became offensive coordinator a year after uh after uh, that. So it's been a steady progression, but that's kind of how I ended up where I'm at. Um, just haven't been around the program as a player. And then as a coach, this will be my fifth, fifth season uh, as a coach on Geneva staff. Now I know you guys have run it for a while, but why, why do you guys run the triple slash option where everybody wants to call it something different. Some people are hardcore say this is a flex bone. Some just say it's just the option, but what, why, why is that the offensive choice for you guys? Well, I'll hit that. Just there are some crazy clicks inside the realm of option football where you've got, you know, it's 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 like its own kind of religion a little bit. But um, the biggest thing for us is it was a great equalizer. So when I actually played at Geneva, my first two years, we ran the air raid and then we switched to triple two years after that. So we went from passing the ball 50, 60 times a game to running the ball 50, 60 times a game, which was that was a shock on the system. But uh, it's one of those things where, you know, in the, in the recruiting game of college football, you know the kind of guy you're going to get. 
And especially from an offensive line perspective, we just weren't getting guys that were 6'2", 6'3", and 300 pounds. So we wanted to run a, you know, I obviously I wasn't in the room for the decision-making, but we're running an, an, an offense that's more conducive to the kind of kid that we get, you know? So being able to kind of play to our strengths and, you know, like I said, you know, triple option being, it's just a great equalizer, you know, teams don't see it hardly ever. It's so countercultural to the way that football kind of is right now. And especially in the landscape of college, when everybody wants to spread the ball out, throw it around the schoolyard, do all that kind of stuff. So being able to kind of help uh, make up for some of, uh, you know, deficiencies we may be seeing talent or in recruiting class, you know, having a scheme that's able to kind of account for that is is one of the main reasons why we run it. And if you ask any other coach that runs it in, in college or even in high school, I would say that they would probably give a similar answer. Um, so, so with with that, I mean, obviously your drill work is going to be a little different than, say, an air raid offensive line coach. Uh, two parts of this, because you mentioned that. How much while you were in school did your drill work change from when you guys went to the air raid to the um, option? And then is there anything you think you do that's a little different than the standard? Obviously, every line coach does stance and starts. Every, I mean, there's there's the base drills, but is there anything that you don't think the average line coach does that you do in the option? Well, the first part of your question, the drill work that changed, I mean, it was almost a complete 180. You know, you, you went from having uh, offensive linemen that you wanted to be 280, 290, 300 pounds to guys that, you know, you're looking 250, 260. So, Indie work changed, you know, you had guys having to learn a whole new stance, a whole new philosophy. So it was kind of interesting being a player during that time because we got on the ground, we got in on the ground floor, you know, we saw what it was, we saw what it was like to build it up. Um, and it was a, it was a pretty big difference, but I, I do think, you know, all offensive line indie periods, there's going to be a, some similarity somewhere, you know, even if the stance is a little bit different, you know, we're still doing, we're still in the shoot, we're still doing stance and start we're still working the sled, you know, it's just, it's, it's a little bit different um, how we get around to it, you know, but for me personally, you know, offensive line Indy, the one thing I'm, I preach this to anywhere I go. And I think it's a great thing for everybody. We start practice off with agility bags every single day. That's the first period we get to Indy. Our guys are running through agility bags, go through them twice, you know, and we're just, we're not doing anything crazy. You know, it's, it's really to get guys in the mindset of, hey, it's practice time, you know, get their blood flowing a little bit, get them moving, uh, get their minds right. And they love doing it. You know, that's all they talk about is on Thursdays with our run throughs, we do comp bags, competition bags. So they get all hyped up for that. And and that's all they beg for. But that's something that I've seen personally. There's such an increase in footwork, such an increase in speed. And, you know, guys buy into it. It's not like you're dragging them through the mud or anything like that. It's a good thing that's able to build great footwork and great technique without having them, you know, get under the, sh under the shoot or anything like that. Um, honestly, I, I, other than that, I take a lot of stuff from, uh, you know, I've had opportunities to sit down with Mike Seawalk, you know, who's at Georgia Tech as the offensive line coach for uh, under Paul Johnson, uh, different things like that. So I take a lot of their stuff, take a lot of Navy stuff. Um, the biggest thing that I found uh, as far as teaching our punch and teaching our strike and activation of hips into the block, uh, we'll do six point explosion where you got guys uh, down on the ground, hands and knees, lock out on the sled. We'll run through that. We'll go through two point explosion where they just get two steps, learning to roll their hips through a block. Um, and the new one that I kind of did last year uh, that was a little different, but I think was a really good help is we'll actually have the guys fit up into the bag head and uh, fit up into the sled, excuse me, helmet into the bag and learn what it's like working off, pushing a guy off their chest, 
Um, and that really that really was the way that uh, I think our guys kind of learned to activate their hips and what it meant to actually roll your hips through a block. So um, my big thing is, you know, you can say roll your hips as many times as you want, but, you know, it's some guys that's easy and they know how to do it. And some guys you have to teach and, uh, you know, being able to get guys on a sled and just actually have them do it as, as many times as they possibly can uh, is, is a huge thing. So those those are the two uh, main ones that I would say you're not going to see it most 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 other places um especially the agility bags that one i that that's my baby i'll do that one no matter where i coach offensive line that'll be that'll go where i go now we'll hit install in two different parts of this um, uh, let's focus on the o-line part first what is your i mean obviously you when you're recruiting you're recruiting kids from all different offenses like you're just trying to find alignment that fit where, what you are um, so you might pull stuff from I, uh, other flex bone teams, probably a lot of spread teams. When you're installing to your offensive line, what does that process look like? I mean, both drill wise, because obviously you're introducing new drills, a lot of guys, but also scheme wise, especially for kids, probably quite a few kids who've never been in the option before. There's a lot of kids who've done a lot of kick stepping or so forth. What is your process within the classroom on the field? for uh, working with your offensive line in terms of teaching and installing? Yeah, I mean, that you you hit the nail right on the head there. Over the past five years, I think we've only had three kids that have actually played in the option on our starting line. So most of the guys that are coming in, um, not only do they not play in option uh, offenses, but we actually, what we'll do is we'll take some bigger linebackers and make them offensive tackles. So a lot of the time, sometimes you're teaching guys who either didn't play offensive line or hardly played offensive line in high school, trying to get them to learn uh, a, a completely new position that's unlike anything else. Um, but I, with all that, camp is just so important and camp being a teaching tool on the field and then off the field. Any time is so important for every offensive line coach. You'll hear him banging down the door for an extra five minutes and trying to steal time from special teams or whatever. I, I've been there. Um, but, you know, getting guys to I think the number one thing is getting guys to buy into the scheme and understand why it's allowing us to to be successful and why it's the scheme we're running, because if they don't understand the why to it, they're not. No, you could be the best coach in America and they're just not going to do it for you. It's just not how we operate as as human beings. Um, but, you know, on the other side of the coin, it's great for me because I don't have to worry about breaking down a ton of bad habits. You know, because they all have to learn something new for the most part. So they're guys that are I'm essentially getting a bunch of clean slates. So I've actually all, our last three starting centers have been from an option school that's near us. Uh, so they're honestly sometimes the harder guys to coach because they've been running the option forever. And so I have to break them at bad habits before I have to break the kid who's never done it before. So it, it's it's a it's it's good and bad, but it, it presents a really unique opportunity in college because, like I said, you're getting a whole lot of blank slates and it shows you how good of a coach you are in my opinion because if you're really taking a guy from the infancy stage when he comes in as a freshman to you know being an adult when he's a senior and hey let's see what you learned as far as offensive line plays gone so uh the importance of camp taking your time to teach uh and and never feeling like you're rushed you know i'm i'm, I'm blessed having a head coach that i can pretty much go and ask him for any time and he's going to give it to me you know so not every not all coaches are are that lucky uh, so it's, it's a great thing for being able to teach on the field. Now, 
Excuse me. The next thing I wanted to ask, because I always like to get people's opinions on specific blocks, because um, everybody does a little differently. And I think that's the, so I want, I want to pick your brain on too. The first one I, I want to pick your brain on is because, again, in your kind of offense, there's, I mean, you're, that's the nice thing about, I think, the wing tee, the flex bone, the option. Um, I think you have a lot less blocks in your system. You're getting very, just because of how your system um works first one i wanted to bug you about was how do you teach down blocks because everybody's slightly different head in front head behind head on the side um some shoulder block some use certain hand placement how do you approach down blocks yeah so our biggest thing because they are a pretty big thing in the offense uh especially with our tackles the, the main thing i'm telling our guys to do um i'm not so worried about head placement uh, the biggest thing I've had with head placement is if you preach head in front, head inside, head in back, they get so hyper-focused on that, that that's all they're really worrying about. And then their step goes out the window, their hand placement goes out the window. And I'm a big believer. And as long as your step is always going to be good, the technique that comes after it is going to, it can look different for everybody, but as long as your steps are uniform and set, you're going to be a-okay. It's going to go well for you. Uh, but what I personally teach for down block is we're looking to place our inside hand on their outside hip. I, that's the biggest thing for us because if you can control that outside hip of a defensive lineman, of a linebacker, of whoever you're looking to down block, they're, they're going to lose. So that's always been our aiming point. We're having them open at uh, 45 degrees usually just to get those hips open enough where they're going to be able to eye that outside hip and grab it. And um, other than that, their head placement, we have some guys that They've done head in front, so they they put their head in front. A lot of our guys, because of where the hand placement in us is on that outside hip, uh, their heads end up being in, in the rib cage area. Um, but that's kind of what that looks for us. But I'm a I'm a pretty big believer too in I'm letting our guys do what's comfortable to them when it comes to certain things. So understanding that hey, these guys have all blocked with their head in front on down blocks. It's not the end of the world to me if they do or don't, uh, but I'm looking, I, I have two things I'm looking for. It's hands on hips and, uh, and, and the, the step, obviously. So uh, as long as that stuff's kosher, I found that it usually takes care of itself no matter what after that. And then the other one I wanted, wanted to bug you about, because I know it's such a prevalent, you're, well, it's prevalent in a lot of gap scheme or option offenses, is how do you work double teams? Um, and then my, my real question of that is, because I mean, there's there's various different ways. Obviously, is there somebody? Is it person in the gap? Is the person head up? It modifies a little bit. I'm more interested, and you can you can give me both if you want. But um, if you get, and I'll this probably will be a bad example. If you get like a head up two on your guard, and your tackle needs to help double team that two, right. how do you approach the that kind of double team where you have a head up double team? Yeah, so it's I would say. I'm going to teach it the same way I would teach is doubling a three technique and not in, not in the, the specific way of there's going to be a true double there, but I explained to them, Hey, when you're looking to double on a two, you're going to step through that B gap. If any part of that guy shows, you're going to help out your guard. You're going to take them. You guys are going to turn into a true double. Um, but if nothing shows your eyes should be on that backside linebacker right now, or Mike linebacker, depending on what the front is and you're working up, you know, we're kind of in a, in a spot in our offense where we see a lot of head up techniques and our guards are good enough. And I have an expectation for the guards to say, Hey, that's, that's your guy. You know, and if we have a tackle come through uh, he's just going to throw a hand to see if to check that outside hip, to see if it shows up or outside shoulder to see if it shows up, but they're right. They're eye in that backside backer right now, or, or Mike linebacker, whatever. 
Um, but uh, the, the same idea would be a three technique. You know, if we see a stun on a three and that hip goes away, I mean, that tackle is still working up to the, uh, to the backside linebacker, no matter what. So the same kind of ideas there, you know, we're big, I, I, we're big proponents of take what kind of comes to you. You know, if, if that guy disappears, don't go chasing a hip after him. Don't get so uh, hyper-focused on, I got to double this guy, I got to double this guy. And he just ended up in the A gap. And now you got to tackle chasing him down, you know, down to try and find them or whatever. But uh, uh, that's kind of what that would look like. But with two techniques, we see a lot. Um, we're telling our guards to usually just be able to base them or try to put them in the A gap, fight hard for that outside shoulder. If they want to beat you inside, let them beat you inside. Usually, uh, if, the, if we're doubling the two, the place hitting outside of it anyway. So um, that's kind of what that would look for us, look okay. like for us. Now, the next thing, it's, it's not necessarily a specific block, but um, and we, and I think this is a big part, especially in your offense, is being, especially because I think that the bad term for it is most people call it a veer block. But yeah. in general, like when you're working on blocking linebackers, because I think that's one of the hardest things to, because a lot of bad habits for offensive linemen is they're trying to go where they were, not where they're going. And I think part of that's understanding the play, obviously. Um, but how do you drill practice blocking linebackers um, and getting your alignment up field? Because obviously you guys do a lot of that because you're not going to block a three technique or an end a lot, depending on what your option play is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a huge thing on our offense and it's huge with every position too. You know, every position needs to understand how to block a linebacker. Well, it's not just the tackle guard or center. It's, it's all three. Um, the main drill we do with it, we'll climb through, uh, we'll climb under our chute. We'll have moving bags on the other side of the chute and we'll either work blocking them head up or we're lucky enough again to be in college where we're working cuts downfield. Um, that's such a huge tool in our toolbox that we use. It was one of, it was the only reason I was even a half decent football players because of, of being able to cut downfield. Because <laughs> um, in my head, uh, unless you completely swing and miss, there's no such there's no such thing as a bad cut block. Even if the guy defends it, that's a second he had to take off the ball carrier, and now he's slowed down. You know, so I'm lucky enough in college where I can tell a guy to go cut him, and whether he gets him on the ground or not, usually he did just enough to help us get at least the four yards to stay on schedule. So that's been a huge deal for us. Um, but uh, again, blocking him standing up, I mean, you hit the nail right ahead. The biggest issue is going to where the linebacker is as opposed to where he's going to be. So the idea of having bags that move constantly so they understand, hey, just because this guy was lined up in the B gap or head up on the guard, there's a good chance he's going to be outside the defensive end by the time you actually get to that second level. So that's uh, that, that's that's something that's just – it's drill work in Indy, and it's a ton of team reps in either inside, half-line team, whatever, you know, that's – and especially with uh, with our offense, we put a lot of onus on the tackles to not only blocking linebackers, but to blocking safeties, you know, so take that difficulty of blocking a linebacker and amplify it by 10, because now you got an even more athletic guy in even more space. So I think I think the thing, too, is and it comes with teaching is we're also never teaching to hit a home run on a linebacker block. Our, my biggest thing is be a traffic cone, make them alter his path or get in his way for long enough that our athletes can do something behind us. Because as long as that happens, we're going to be, that's what we're looking for. And some of the best blocks we've had on backside safeties and, and linebackers, play side linebackers is altering their angle. And now they don't have the, the pursuit path to catch our running backs, catch our quarterbacks, whatever. So um, understanding that 
it's never really going to be pretty when you're asking a guy that's 260 pounds to block a guy that's 200 pounds in space uh, and, and to temper some expectations. And, you know, for the college guys that are in it, you know, the cup block at the second level, man, that's such a, that's, that's such a key tool in, in an offensive lineman's tool belt. And even though they're trying to, to nerf it some, you know, back when I played, you could cut safe, you could cut anywhere on the field. It could be 50 yards downfield and you could cut anywhere. And we've seen rollbacks of that where it's only within five yards now of the line of scrimmage. And it's, it's, it's going to keep changing. I think as the future goes on, there's a new rule proposed this year, but uh, that cut block being able to work that cut block is such a huge deal for us at the second level. Now, now continue with that. Like, and we talked a little bit about install earlier. Um, and I don't need your full install schedule. Like, I mean, I, I'm not going to ask for every secret sauce, but just kind of curiosity, because every option team's different. Um, I know you guys have some extra wrinkles that maybe some other teams don't. But, I mean, what is usually your typical order of install and process for installing scheme-wise? Are you an inside te veer team first, outside veer? Is there a different direction you start first? Um, because I know you guys hit the edge a lot based on, I mean, we were texting and I was watching some, it's a great thing about YouTube, especially for like division. I mean, I think, I, I personally think division two and division three underutilize YouTube. I know, I know you don't want all your film necessarily out there, but at the same time, if you want to advertise for your university and get stuff out it is one of the best resources. I, I watch D2 and D3 games on there all the time. Uh, part of it looking for stuff for this, but part of it is, you just find all those nice little wrinkles that you might not see and that, that, and that are also like my kid might be able to do that. Cause I can, I'll have guys that can play D three. I don't always have that D one kid that can do all that freakish stuff, but there's like applicable stuff you can kind of see at the D two D three level. So what is your kind of install process and, and install um, order of operation look like? Well, I'll tell you a funny story before that, because I think you brought up a great point. Um, I can remember sitting and watching uh, game tape and indie film with Mike Seawalk. And when he was the, the tape I was watching was of Shaq Mason, who went on. I, I don't know if he's still in the league or not, but played for the Patriots, did all that kind of stuff. And I, I, I was sitting there thinking, watching this guy who's running like my guys at 220. He's 300 pounds. and He's running faster than them. And I'm like, you could do anything you want with this guy it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So understanding, you know, I, I thought it was funny watching that and then looking out and seeing some of the guys that I have. And I'm like, oh, I just got to have them be like Shaq Mason. I just got to get five of those guys and we're going to be a okay. You know? Yeah. Uh, as, as far as install stuff goes, um, we're, we're an inside beer team. So the first couple days of install for the team and for the offensive line is just based on inside beer. And we organize our, our different fronts, uh, so we don't just throw inside veer in day one against every defense that we can possibly see and blow kids' minds. You know, that's it's the whole infancy kind of stage thing. Again, you got to give it to them bit by bit so they they understand that they can actually learn it and you're not having anybody get discouraged or get super confused. Um, and the reason we do that, too, is, you know, the option is all based off of an option count. Uh, so we take three guy, three days to teach guys the option count and what it looks like on this play. Um, and, and against this defense. And, you know, it's always, it's always funny because the guys that get on the field are the guys that can count to three. Cause if you can count to three against any defense, you're, we're going to be a okay. So understanding the rules there, but I, and I think that's what makes the option unique. You know, we're, we're installing plays, we're installing X's and O's, but we're teaching rules. Everything, every play we have is rule-based, you know, if there's, 
there's it's the idea of teaching a rule and then teaching a scheme I think makes it really unique and it makes it great for us as coaches because the idea is if your guys truly do know the rules you can see whatever defense you're going to see in a, in a in a game you know it could be we've had games where we plan for one defense literally all week and and the team shows up and it's completely different didn't prep for it at all but it's one of those things where if they know how to you know option count on outside veer inside veer and then some of your mid double different things like that it shouldn't matter what they show up but get up in you know so I, I think it's really unique that we're able to take a rules uh, teaching approach as opposed to just teaching power, teaching um, like what, you know, whatever else, you know, I think it makes it really unique. Now the other thing, I mean, we, as we were texting back and forth um, it's where I thought was speed or load option, which you've corrected me on since it's your, it's your lead play um, kind of, I mean, talk me through what that, what that exactly is and kind of why you run it because like I said, I, I've watched about two of your games. And I just saw your quarterback just take off to the side and just, I mean, it was successful about every time I watched it. You're getting five, six, seven yards and just and, and gouging them. But like kind of, I mean, you mentioned it's a little interesting wrinkle you kind of got, you guys kind of have your kind of your lead play. I mean, kind of for people who haven't seen some of what you guys do, what is it and kind of what's the process there? Yeah, so it all stemmed off of our, our belly G play, which is just straight handoff, guard pulls, kicks out. A leads up through and the B backs running right behind. So that's where, what the play comes off of. Uh, we used to run that. We had an all American running back when I played. Um, he ran that play. We ran that play to death just because he was athletic enough that he could crease them. If pretty much you got a good kick out, it was a touchdown, no matter where you were on the field. Uh, so the one day we were kind of looking at it as a staff and said, we can run an option play off of this where the B back now just becomes a lead blocker. You identify a pitch guy and, and that's kind of how the play was born. But you know, it's, it's great because it takes the place, you know, of our lead option or speed option. Um, we don't run either of those two plays because to us, G option is pretty much lead option. It's just blocked differently. Um, and we've experimented with that. Uh, the triple guys will know zone option. Uh, that was big with Navy when they had, uh, uh, when they were successful a couple years, a couple years back. Um, but G option is the one that kind of stuck, stuck, it stuck for us just because it came off of a play we already had. Um, it's a great way of running lead in my opinion, because now instead of, you don't have to worry about blocking down on a four pitching off of a five teaching rules like that, your guard's still pulling. He's logging end man on the line of scrimmage, no matter what. So you don't have to worry about, well, if it's a four, we're doing this, if there's a three and a five, you know, different things like that. So it's great from a rules perspective, from the, from an offensive line coaches uh, perspective. And it's great because it gives such different, it gives such an easy and different look to a defense without anything really being done on our end. So now a D end or a nine technique, depending on the formation we're in, it, he can be read. He can be uh, kicked out by the guard. He can be kicked out by the B. He can be logged by the guard. You know, it's so many different things that he now has to think about where it's not as simple as I just got to go down and get dive. You know, that's, that's the key thing for our offense is being able to give that read guy. And then the, the pitch guy as well, so many different looks, so it's not just as simple as, okay, go get dive, go get pitch, and we're off to the races, you know. So being able to change uh, the option count for them, change what their eyes are seeing, and and that, that belly G plays allowed it to do so. Okay. Now, when you guys – and I don't, I don't know how, how you guys play call or if it's a committee approach, just your head coach, just you. 
But, I mean, what for you guys, what is your play calling process for when you're looking for stuff um, and trying to attack a defense? And obviously some of that goes into what you've scouted throughout the week. But from a play calling process, what do you, what do you kind of systematically kind of go through? Yeah, I think the, the, the way we do it is we start off at the beginning of the week. We look at what we think they're going to run. So this is actually going to be a pretty unique year because there's a bunch of new DCs in the conference. And we actually added a new team. So there's going to be a whole, there's going to be a possibility for a whole bunch of new defenses that we've never seen. Um, but we look at uh, what plays we like uh, against that defense. We look at, you know, our different formations, our tackle over formation, our tight end formation, just kind of what we can run, what we'd like to run, uh, what looks good against it. We put it up on a board. We talk through it. We talk if we want to add any wrinkles and we go out and rep it. You know, the, the best thing about option football is it's game plan and done by by Monday night, Tuesday night at, at the latest, you know. So just because, you know, you you know, you know what you like against the four, three defense, you know what you like against the four, two defense, you know, you, you know what you like against the three, four. It's just about going out and executing and then having answers whenever they uh, whenever they make adjustments. But, you know, it's 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 one of those things that we take as a whole coaching staff and it, it kind of game plans itself based on what we expect to see. So, and if, if we're unsure what a team's going to do, we'll just prep for a couple defenses um, that either are popular in the conference or uh, come off their base defense or different things like that. So it's a, um, it, it's, it's, it's an exciting thing, but it takes care of itself a lot of the time. Okay. No, I, I get that coach. And um, the next part I wanted to ask you as we start getting towards the end here is um, obviously High schools can't necessarily do everything you guys could do with some time constraints, practice restraints, um, athlete restraint. I mean, there's a variety of reasons. But is there any like simple, like, because you, I mean, you obviously from a scouting, or not scouting, a, a recruiting perspective, you see a lot of football. Uh, you'll probably look at several option teams here and there. Um, and then obviously you'll have high school coaches come talk to you guys, or you'll talk to high school guys about what they're doing, because obviously there isn't a crap ton of, upper big teams that run the option um what are like simple things you think the that high school teams can kind of implement or bring to their op their option offense that maybe they're not doing or maybe not thought of yeah the biggest thing for us and this legitimately just happened last year is the use of a tight end so being able to have a and for us we're lucky enough that our tight end we can go and split them out and have them do some stuff at receiver and it's not like he's Calvin Johnson or anything like that. He's he's not he'll kill me when he hears me saying it because he thinks he's the best athlete that's ever existed on the planet. Um, but the uniqueness that gave our offense of being able to be in an unbalanced formation, whether tackle over or whether a true tight end formation where he's in the three man surface and then just go to a two by two formation where now we have two receivers split out um, with us. We go tempo as well. Um, which is an adjustment I think we made. We were huddle pretty much up until last year. And then last year we went uh, no huddle, calling stuff from the line of scrimmage. So we were able to go different tempos. So there was some games where we go in literally as fast as possible, where we're trying to get plays off in 15 seconds or less. And we're just going, going, going and grinding defenses down. And then there's games where we're still holding onto the ball, being methodical. Um, but all that was allowed because we didn't have any personnel changes. You know, our, we could get into our tight end set, like I said, and get into a two by two set the next play. And, and if they ran anybody on or ran everybody off or ran anybody off, they're in a bad situation. So I'm a big formation guy, um, whether it's option or non-option and being able to get into many, as many formations as you can with um, the same personnel. So 
none of those need to be super. I, I think it's a lot easier to teach guys a formation, how to motion into a formation, different things like that, and run a couple plays as opposed to the other way around where you're trying to teach, especially high school athletes where you 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 don't know how long you're going to get them for um, because they're getting pulled in so many different directions. You know, trying to teach them 50, 60 plays is just that's that's not going to go. You know, so it's easier to teach them uh, a decent amount of formations with a handful of plays, and you're going to be you're going to be able to to you know hit the ground running with that. So, but the use of a tight end, and if you're lucky enough, have a tight end that's able to even. I mean, we're not asking him to do anything crazy. We're asking him to stock block, and we'll throw him. A, we'll throw him a spot, or we'll throw him a a go every once in a while, depending on, you know, what the defense did to it. Um, but that's kind of what we're looking for. Uh, uh, that was something that really allowed us uh, uh, to succeed last year offensively. Okay. And then the, one of the other questions I had for you, and I, I asked, I've asked like every option coach I've talked to recently this, um, where, who do you go to or who do you watch or who do you talk to? And it could be multiple people. Um, one of the, I, I think the two common answers I get is obviously Harding, and uh, Citadel, um, but who do you talk to? I mean, because obviously your pool's a little more limited than the spread coaches. Um, so what, when you're doing research or trying to talk to people or break through wrinkles, and um, especially as you guys have only ran this for a handful of years, what route do you guys kind of go to? Yeah, so we were lucky enough to our, our head coach that I've referenced before. He knows Mike Seawalk. They worked at Georgia Tech together back when they were GAs. Um, so we had a connection with pretty much the offensive line, one of the big offensive line coaches that have ever run option football. He's been doing it his whole life. So he's been a great tool as far as, you know, he helped install the entire offense when it got put in. So he's been, he's been a great one. Uh, but me personally is from, from an offensive line standpoint, I, I like to try and tend toward teams that do similar stuff to us. So I like looking at D three teams. We've gone down to Salisbury. They're one of the best option teams in division three. Um, they're constantly in the national playoffs. They they play great, great brand of football. Um, and another one that I'll tell you that not a lot of people know about is Springfield up in Massachusetts. We had a GA come from from there um, that I'm still in contact with. So anytime uh, I have a question, I can just shoot him a text uh, and, and be like, hey, when you guys were doing this at Springfield, what were you guys, you know, what'd you call it? Would you like to run against and, you know, that kind of stuff. So um we, you know, coach, our head coach knows uh, Ronnie Boyd, the offensive line coach at Citadel. So we've talked with, through him with stuff like that. Um, but I, I like, uh, me personally, I like talking to some of the smaller school guys just because they have the same problems we do. They have the same kind of kid, same kind of uh, issues, like I said, and look for similar solutions. Well, coach, I mean, I appreciate you coming on. Um, coaches, his Twitter will be in the bio of the video. Uh, so please give him a follow. Um, like, share, subscribe, all that lovely stuff is normal. Uh, check out our sponsor, CoachPad. All that stuff's in the bio as well. Um, and then that would nerd back uh, another episode of the Gap Downbacker podcast. Thanks, Coach. Thank you so much for having me on.